0: Our reading will be 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. You therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. To those who are visiting, as always, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We are grateful for the opportunity to be together today to worship God on such a beautiful spring day. We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and specifically we want to note verses 3 and 4 the passage that Dio read for us just a moment ago. We're going to be talking today about the theme soldiers of Christ. I appreciate Brother Raymond leading us in that beautiful song a moment ago where the exhortation, Soldiers of Christ arise. And so today we want to think for just a few moments about what it means to be a soldier of Christ. And it may be the case that many today do not understand what it means to be a part of the Lord's army. And so we want to give consideration to that for just a few moments. As you and I think about this lesson today, the first thing that I would call your attention to has to do with our enlistment. Note, if you would, in verse 4, the latter part of verse 4, Paul makes reference to the one who has been enlisted as a soldier. In order for people to serve in the military, there are some things that have to take place. First of all, they have to enlist. And this really comes down to making a decision to serve. And when a person comes to that decision and they make the statement or they come to the realization that they want to serve, they understand they have to sign on the dotted line. And so when a person obeys the gospel, he or she is, in essence, signing on to service in the Lord's army. Now, there are some things that maybe we need to think about in that respect. Before one enters the military, he or she has to understand that there is a cost factor. The cost may be very steep. Because, you see, there are some individuals that literally lay it all on the line. For the cause of our country. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus discusses the importance of counting the cost before entering into his service. He uses a couple of figures that help us to understand more fully what it means to be a follower of his. First of all, he said, Before a person builds a house, they sit down and count the cost. They want to make sure that they're able to finish the project. Well, before you become a Christian, you need to count the cost. What's involved? And then he uses the figure of a military man, one who has 10,000 soldiers that would go up against an army of 20,000. And again, the idea is you better count the cost. Do you have the strength with 10,000 soldiers to meet the one who is coming to meet you in battle that consists of some 20,000 footmen or foot soldiers? And so before you sign on the dotted line, before you sign your life away to Christ, you need to count the cost. There's some paperwork involved in the military. People will sign on the dotted line, and they are then inducted into service. Well, you are signing on to serve the Lord. You do that through your obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But once you do that, you belong to Him. Think for a moment about what takes place in the military. If you were to go to one of the branches of service in our military... And sign on that dotted line, you become the property of Uncle Sam. In other words, you belong to the government of the United States of America. When you sign on to service in the Lord's army, you become his property. How do I know that? Well, back in the book of Exodus, chapter 13, at verse 1, you recall the Lord had instituted the Passover, had saved the children of Israel, those who had the blood on their doorpost or lentils. And then in chapter 13, verse 1, he said, Sanctify unto me the firstborn. And then here's what he said, It is mine. Now you might ask the question, what's the significance of that to me today? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, the writer speaks, of the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn, who are registered in heaven. Those of us that have obeyed the gospel, that is, those of us that have demonstrated faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, have repented of our sins, have confessed His name, and been baptized into Christ, we are then placed in that divine body called the Church, And we comprise the church of the firstborn ones. In other words, we belong to God. Paul makes that abundantly clear in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. He said, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have from God? He said, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so just as those who enlist in the military in the United States of America belong to Uncle Sam, when you enlist in the service of our Lord, you belong to him. And every move that you make is under his superintendence or governorship. Because by divine right, you belong to him. But then there is a second thing that we would do well to consider. This has to do with our endurance. Once we enlist into service, once we make that decision that we're going to serve, then we have to have an enduring spirit. There has to be a sense of dedication to service. Look now at verse 3. In verse 3, Paul said, You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What is involved in my service as a soldier of Christ? What would the Lord require of me? What are the expectations? Well, first of all, those who joined the military... They have to be strong. There has to be a sense of strength, not just bodily strength, but mental fortitude or strength. Well, know what Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. When you become a Christian, you need to develop spiritual strength and stamina. We're we're talking about spiritual warfare. And those of us who are God's people, we are involved in spiritual warfare. And so we have to be, as Paul said, strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The exhortation is to put on the whole armor of God that we might not fall prey to the wiles, to the schemes of the devil. So there has to be spiritual strength. In the military there has to be physical and mental strength. I had a friend that had the opportunity to serve in World War II. He was at Iwo Jima. He also served as a marksman instructor at Paris Island. He was in the Marine Corps. And I used to say about this particular individual that he could literally eat bark off of a tree. He was just that tough. Well, we understand what it means to be strong in the military. And those who join our armed forces, they have to understand that on the front end. You're gonna to have to be you're gonna to have to be strong. It's not for the faint of heart. The same thing is true when you become a Christian. You have to be strong in the Lord. But then there's another concept that we need to understand. Not only are we to be strong, we must be willing to suffer. Note again the words of Paul in verse 3, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Those in the military suffer many times physically and yes, even mentally. Some of our men and women have paid the ultimate price by sacrificing their physical lives on the battlefield. Christianity is not without suffering. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 12, All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 10 in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Anybody that tells you Christianity is a piece of cake Is not telling you the truth. It's not always easy. There are times in life as Christians that we suffer ridicule, verbal insults and taunts. There are times when we may even suffer physically. Thank God we live in a country today that affords us the privilege of meeting together together. On occasions like this, to worship God without any kind of fear. We do not feel the threat of physical persecution and harm like the apostles. We read about Paul and Silas in the city of Philippi. And the Bible says they had many stripes laid upon their backs. Well, we're not subject subjected to that today. Those in the military, they understand that they're are sacrifices that have to be made. They know that they're going to suffer. Well, as a Christian, we too will suffer. A third characteristic set forth by Paul, it has to do with the idea of being single-minded. Look at verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. If you enlisted in the military today and they were to ship you over to the Middle East, what would be foremost in your mind? I can tell you what I'd be thinking about. I would be thinking about trying to get back home alive. When you become a Christian, you have to become single-minded in your pursuit of serving Jesus Christ. There are going to be distractions along the way. Let me just illustrate it like this. A friend of mine who preaches for the James Road Church of Christ, John Shannon. John and I have been friends for many, many years. John is a black preacher and he's a good man. He served in Vietnam and he said in 1968 when he was serving in the military, Dr. Martin Luther King was killed. And he got word in Vietnam that Dr. King had been killed. And he said, you would not believe the the pandemonium that occurred among some of the troops. And they were coming to him and they were saying, John, Dr. King has been killed. And here's what John had to say, and he did not say this with any disrespect. But he said, I can't be worrying, I cannot be worrying about Dr. King. My only worry is to get back home alive. That's all he was concerned about, getting back home alive. When you obey the gospel of Christ, you have got to become single-minded. You see, the enemy is the devil. Peter said, Your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Well, Paul said, We're to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We have to be so single minded, we have to be so tough mentally, that we're not going to allow our adversary to. To distract us. John talked about how when he was in Vietnam. The enemy would use various tactics. To try to entangle American troops. And he said I would not have anything to do with anyone or anything. James said, you adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? The devil will use the world to get a foothold in your life. And if he can somehow distract you via the world, then you've got spiritual trouble. That's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, neither give place or opportunity to the devil in verse 28. There is a third thing that I think we need to consider as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, there is our enlistment. And then, of course, we think about our endurance. But then we want to think about our engagement. What does it mean to be engaged in the army of our Lord? To be a soldier of Jesus Christ? I think we, I think we have to appreciate the duties that are before us. When you sign on to the military in our country, the first thing they're going to do is train you. You do not send soldiers to the front line without training. We do not put people in $20 million jets and have them land on naval carriers without some kind of training. When you become a soldier in the army of Christ, you have to be trained. That's why Jesus said, Go therefore, make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. We have to be taught. Well, what's the manual? In the military, you're going to get some basic training. They're going to use some manuals to teach you what you need to know to survive in the military. Well, spiritually speaking, we have the word of God that is the message that comes to us from God in heaven. And this message is going to teach us what we need to know to survive in this life. This book's going to teach us about our mission. Those who engage in the military and those who are a part of our military today, they will go on certain missions. There will be specific purposes behind their missions. What is the mission of the church? The Bible says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19, 10. The church is in the saving business. In order for you to reach out and to convert those in the world, you have to be trained. You have to know what the Bible teaches. That's why Peter said, sanctify the Lord God in your heart always. Be ready to give an answer to every man. That is a defense to every man that asks you of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You have to know what you believe and why you believe it. So you have to be trained. But then there's also another aspect. Not only do you have to be trained, but you have to learn to think. I like what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 when he wrote, Think on these things. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, We must develop the mind of Christ. In the military, if you're going to survive on the battlefield, you've got to think. You cannot afford mental lapses. Spiritually speaking, you've got to think about what you're doing. Sometimes individuals will say certain things. They will engage in certain types of behavior. And then their response after having done that is, I just wasn't thinking. That's the problem. You've got to think about what you're doing. Christianity calls into play the mind. We talk about having the mind of Christ. Solomon said, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he in Proverbs 23, 7. Are you thinking? And here's another question what are you thinking about if we're going to be successful in our engagement with the enemy first of all we have to be trained and then we have to think those on the battlefield that do not think are either gonna get hurt or killed if you're not thinking spiritually speaking You'll lose your soul. That's why we have to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have to be equipped to meet the advances of the enemy. But then there's another thing I think we would do well to consider. And that is we have to be tactical. There needs to be some strategic planning in your Christian life. How are you going to get from point A to point B? From point B to point C? Christianity is a religion of spiritual growth and maturity. It requires progressive growth, not stagnation. Those who are stagnant are lukewarm or apathetic. And so what we have to do is sit down and think for a moment about our Christian walk. What is the goal of every Christian? Well, we're here on planet Earth. That is, we live on planet Earth, but our goal is heaven. Paul said our citizenship is in heaven, whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, if I'm on planet Earth and I want to go to heaven... What kind of strategy do I have in place to reach my objective? Do I have a daily plan for reading the word of God? Am I spending time in God's holy word, striving to learn more about his will? The psalmist said, your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. Are we storing the word of God up in our heart? What about our prayer life? Are we spending time in prayer to God regularly? Paul said, continue steadfastly in prayer, Colossians 4, verse 2. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Are we praying? Are we developing the kind of spiritual fortitude that will enable us to overcome the advances of Satan, the temptations that come our way? What about our worship attendance? Are we regular in our attendance in worship and Bible study? Why would you need to come to worship and Bible study regularly? Well, one reason we come to worship is because The Bible says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is in Hebrews 10.25. We come to worship because we want to give God that which he's rightfully due. We're paying God homage. Another benefit, though, is we derive spiritual strength from that. It gives us a taste of what heaven will be like. And then we have to associate with Christian people. Paul said evil companionship corrupts good morals. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to one day be among the redeemed in that beautiful city that Jesus talked about in John 14, you've got to associate with the right kind of people. You can't run with the devil's people and expect to be with God's people in heaven. And so these are some things that will help us in our strategy. That is, we've come up with a strategy that's going to enable us to get safely from planet Earth to heaven. Now let me ask this question. Are you a soldier of Christ? If you are a soldier of Christ, then let me ask this question. Are you a faithful soldier? Sometimes one of the problems with those in the military is they go AWOL. That is, they run out on their duties. There are times when Christians will forsake their God-given duties to be faithful. Jesus said, be faithful until death. The promise is the crown of life, Revelation 2, verse 10. Are you faithful? Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He demands our faithfulness. If you're not a soldier in the Lord's army, then our plea to you today would be to come to Christ, to do what they did in the first century. If you do what they did, then you will become what they were, and that is New Testament Christians. On Pentecost Day, Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you In the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. When you do that, the Lord will add you to the church, Acts 2.47. Where all spiritual blessings reside, Ephesians 1.3. And if you're faithful till death, the assurance, the crown of life. If you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, could we encourage you to come home? We would be happy to pray with you and for you with the assurance that God will abundantly pardon, Hebrews 8.12. Would you come as we stand and sing?